the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Now, the reason I say this is that many Christians think that they are, are courageous and they are standing alone for the Lord and people are persecuting them for righteousness sake. But really, with many, it's just that they've run ahead of the Lord. And they get the Lord into some incredible jams that he doesn't want to be involved in. And he didn't tell them to do this, but they run ahead and then they expect God to prove his power and deliver them from their self-inflicted predicament. In Luke 14, 28, scripture tells us to count the cost of building a tower before we start to see if we can afford to complete it. Too many churches and individuals start out on a plan that may sound spiritual, but it is really just their own ideas and agenda. Such actions can bring dishonor to the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Verse by Verse. Welcome to today's class. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher, and we're studying the life and times of Elijah. Verse by Verse is an outreach ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now here is Pastor Steve to take us through this lesson on the consequences of Elijah's standing alone with God. So Elijah gives that that challenge. He's given the challenge and the people accepted it. Now let's look at the contest. Verses 25 and 26. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one ox for yourselves and prepare it first for you are many and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under. Why do you say no tricks, fellas? No deceitfulness. Don't, you know, strike a match and leave it there. No, no tricks. Then they took the ox, which was given to them, and they prepared, prepared it and called On the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar, which they made. Now, Elijah says to the prophets, you go first. And they did from morning until noon. They performed a weird and I emphasize that word weird ritual. Dr. Edersheim, it's a great uh, Christian scholar. And in his Bible history, He has a book on Bible history. He gives the following accounts of this scene based on authentic information. He writes this. Now commence the scene which baffles description. Ancient writers have left us accounts of the great Baal festivals, and they closely agree with the narrative of the Bible, only furnishing further details. First arose a comparatively moderate, though already wild cry to Baal followed by a dance around the altar, beginning with a swinging motion to and fro. The howl then became louder and louder and the dance more frantic. They swirled round and round, ran wildly through each other's ranks, always keeping up a circular motion. The head bent low so that their long disheveled hair swept the ground. Now, that was the hideous scene that Elijah watched. And he is watching. I don't know what he's doing. But I'd like to imagine that Elijah's kind of leaning against the tree and said, look at these guys. What are they doing? And I know that he's laughing to himself because he begins to mock them with sarcasm. Verse 27 came about at noon that Elijah mocked them 
called out with a loud voice. And he said, well, he said to them, call out with a loud voice, for he's a God. Either he's occupied or gone astray or he's on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. Elijah's saying, look, look, fellas, if you want to get a God's attention, you've got to call loud. Scream a little louder. He's mocking them. He is taunting them. He is being sarcastic. And the first thing he says, he's, maybe he's occupied. You know what that means? It means he's in deep thought. He's meditating. Yell louder if you want to, you want to get a God's attention. Now, I'm going to say the next part as delicately as I can, because he says maybe he's gone astray. And because we have biblical integrity here, I've got to tell you what that means. It is one of the few times in the Bible that the Bible says maybe he's gone to the restroom. Now, really, that's what it's maybe he's gone to the bathroom. Now, some believe in all fairness to this, some believe that it's a reference to going hunting. But I think those people take all the fun out of the Bible when you say that. But uh, in either case, he say, yell louder. He's busy. He's gone away. If you want to get a God's attention, you've got to yell. And then he says, maybe he's on a journey. You know, maybe he's vacationing in Florida. Maybe, maybe he's gone a little trip. Yell louder. Maybe he's asleep and needs to be awakened. You know, it was a rough night last night. You're just sleeping late. Call louder. Now, you might think that Elijah is being cruel, but I want to tell you, he's, he's not. He's really not. If it was a personal matter, he'd be very cruel. We aren't to be sarcastic concerning ourselves. But this isn't a matter between him and the prophets. This is not personal vengeance. This is holy sarcasm in which God's man is pointing out the absolute absurdity of idolatry compared to the omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient Lord God. And there's a difference. In fact, do you realize that even God himself laughs at the foolishness of the heathen? That's right. That's right. In fact, in, in Psalm 2, verse 4, the Bible says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them, and he scoffs at them in their, in their audacity. God looks down and laughs at puny man who worships anything but him. Psalm 115, verses 4 through 8, say this. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become just like them, everyone who trusts in them. God, God himself laughs and is sarcastic to those who, are, who follow idolatry. So, what did Elijah's ridicule do? It only stirred the prophets into a greater frenzy. They can't stand this. I mean, after all, the people are watching them, and they're being proven to be phonies, fakes, and so is their God. Look at verse 28 and 29. So they cried with a loud voice and cut themselves according to their custom with swords and lances till the blood gushed out of them came about when midday was passed that they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. In their humiliation and in their panic, they are panic-stricken now, and frustrated, they cry out louder and louder and louder, and they begin to inflict self-torture on themselves. They cut themselves until the blood gushed out. Why did they do that? Probably to um, hoping to arouse Baal's attention and pity. 
but the heavens just remain silence. I want you to know that there is an interesting principle here. I spoke to someone recently who told me that, you know, many people have their own concept of God. Christians have theirs. The the Muslims have theirs. The Jewish people have theirs. I said, wait a minute. That's not really the issue at all. The issue is truth. If you want to meet people who are sincere, then meet the false prophets of Baal. If sincerity ever got a person to heaven, then these fellows were going. But sincerity never did and never will. Sincerity is not the issue because a person may be sincerely wrong. The issue is truth. The issue is who are you following? The issue is who do you believe in? The object of your faith, not how much faith you have or how much sincerity you have. The point is that they were wrong whether they were sincere or not. Because they worshiped the wrong God. Finally, it was Elijah's turn. He took over. Look at verses 30 through 35. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. Hey, get a little closer here, fellas. So all the people came near to him. And he and I think he said, come closer. So you see that I have no tricks, nothing up my sleeve. I want you to notice carefully. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your your name. He rebuilt that altar there that had been obviously torn down. So with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood and cut the oxen pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four pitches, pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. So they did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water flowed around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. Now, liberal critics have approached this and said, aha, problem with the Bible. If there was no rain or dew in Israel for three years, where'd they get 12 pitchers of water? Well, those who ask that question have not studied their geography. Because geographically, Mount Carmel is located beside the Mediterranean Sea. Mediterranean Sea had plenty of water. You couldn't drink it because it was salt water. It's not good for your animals, but it's great to pour all over an altar. And so there's humor here. Elijah keeps sending these fellows down the mountain to get the water, bring it up, and they go, nope, go down and get more. Bring it up. Go. And there's you know, and they must have been exhausted. And I told you Elijah's just leaning against the tree. And Elijah did this so that the people would be assured there were no tricks involved. See, when your faith is in the Lord, and it's in the Lord as great as Elijah's faith was, you can put any obstacle in the Lord's, the Lord's path and know that he'll prove himself anyway. So it doesn't matter to Elijah. He wants to show them how great God is. Elijah had absolute trust in the Lord, and it's evidenced by his simple yet believing prayer. Look at verse 36 and 37. Simple prayer, not elaborate, to the point. Verse 36. Then it came about at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Israel, today let it be known that thou art God in Israel and that I'm thy servant and that I've done all these things with thy word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that thou, O Lord, art God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Now I want you to notice something very vital. The end of verse 36 and that I am thy servants and that I have done all these things at thy word. 
I see something very important here that I, I think we must understand and grasp. I've done all these things with thy word. Standing alone with, with the Lord doesn't mean that you look for unusual exhibitions for God to demonstrate his reality. It doesn't mean that you, that you look for, for the impossible and just choose things ar- arbitrarily how God's going to perform. It simply means that you do what his word says. See, Elijah's just doing this on, on the Lord's orders. He says, I'm your servant and I'm just obeying you, Lord. Elijah's just, just doing what the Lord wants. He, he's not inventing a dramatic presentation for a miracle. That would have been presumptuous on his part. It would have been tempting the Lord. Now, the reason I say this is that many Christians think that they are, are courageous and they are standing alone for the Lord and people are persecuting them for righteousness sake. But really, with many, it's just that they've run ahead of the Lord and they get the Lord into some incredible jams that he doesn't want to be involved in. And he didn't tell them to do this, but they run ahead and then they expect God to prove his power and deliver them from their self inflicted predicaments. And I I think we need to see that. How many churches, for instance, have gotten themselves into financial bondage because they believed in God's power to deliver them. And instead of the world seeing God's power, and he's all powerful, he can do whatever he wants, but instead of the world seeing God's power, all they see is a pitiful group of Christians whose God really doesn't answer, at least from their perspective. And it's a poor testimony because they weren't standing with God in obedience to his word. They were standing upon their own self-will and determination, and they just happened to include the Lord in their plans. And it all sounds very spiritual, but it's not. And we need to be careful that when you stand alone, stand alone on a biblical issue. Don't stand alone on your opinion. Don't get the Lord into a predicament that he has to uh, or you think he has to pull you out when it's really your own your own opinion. For instance, the Lord Jesus was being tempted by Satan. And he said, look, why don't you just jump, jump down from the temple? Uh, the Lord will send his angels and, and he'll protect you. Jesus said, no way. No, I'm not going to listen to you, Satan. And he said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. You don't do things like that and say, well, Lord, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Now bail me out. You obey God. And if in obeying God, you must stand alone, then do that. And the Lord will deliver you there. And when you do that, don't hesitate to ask God to do what others think is impossible. Don't be afraid of embarrassing him. Just be sure you stand on the word of God and then you can stand with absolute assurance with the Lord alone. And when you do stand alone in response to to his word, then God will show himself faithful and he'll show you his power and he'll reveal his reality. And he'll indicate that you are his representative and not working on your own. And that's what happened with Elijah. Very quickly, look at the consequences. Verses 39 and 40. Two things happened when the fire fell from heaven. Number one, verse 38, we read, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And what happened as a result of this? When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he's God. The Lord, he's God. The people turned back. They stopped tottering, at least for the time being. But there was something else. When all the people saw it, not only did they fall on their face and admit the Lord was God, but then in verse 40, then Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and he slew them there. Now, you may think that this is drastic. Why did he have to do that? But it, uh, but drastic measures were needed. These false prophets were a cancer 
in the land of Israel. And when you've got cancer, you don't take some of the bad cells out. You take all of it out. Because if you don't cut all of it out, the others will, will just multiply and take over again. They needed to be surgically cut out and removed. And not only that, Elijah, being the obedient man of God, wanted to do what God said. And Deuteronomy 13.5 said, A false prophet is to be put to death. Under the law of God, that was the way it was. Now, we've studied this story and what many believe to be the most traumatic story in all of the Bible. But it's more than a story. It's a message to us. And I want to encourage you on two points. If you're a believer, stop hobbling. Stop swaying to Christ and then following whatever else you follow. If Jesus Christ is your Savior and your Lord, then obey him. Go all the way with him. Lay down your life for him. Absolute obedience. If something else is your God, then stop playing games and just commit yourself to something else. And, and, and at least come out and, and take your stand somewhere. Don't be, don't be lukewarm, either hot or cold, God said to the church at Laodicea. And for those of you who do decide to follow Christ all the way, I want you to know you've got to do it by standing alone, even when it hurts. Martin Luther once said, one plus God constitutes a majority. You see, the real issue is who you're standing with, not whether you're in the majority or the minority. It's who you're standing with. When you stand with the Lord, you are a majority, as far as God's mathematics are concerned. The Lord uses people who aren't afraid to stand with him no matter what. I want you to be encouraged. The Lord God of Elijah still lives, and you can stand with him. And as we close this message, I'm going to read to you a story that will encourage your hearts and will, will hopefully encourage you to take a stand like this young man did. The story is found in, was found in the 1975 January edition of Moody Monthly. It's by Dr. Richard Harvey, and I'm just going to read the story and then we'll close. But don't close your minds yet. Three periods before the Thanksgiving holiday, our chemistry professor always planned to lecture against prayer. He was so sarcastic and so ridiculed prayer that he used to have the kids in stitches. Then every year at the close of his first lecture, he would say, by the way, is there anybody here who still believes in prayer? He would then step in front of the lecture table and hold up two quart glass, uh, a two-quart glass flask. There was a concrete floor in the classroom. Then he would say, now, if there's anybody here who believes in prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand and pray that when I drop this flask, it won't break. Now, I want you to know, students, that all of your prayers and the prayers of your parents and those of your Sunday school teachers and those of your pastors and he says, I'm willing for you to bring them all here to pray with you. Not all of, of their prayers, nothing can keep that flask from breaking when I let it go. He had been doing this for 15 years. Talk about Goliath. When I was a senior, a certain freshman came to the school. One day there was a knock at my door. I opened it and there stood this freshman. He said, are you Dick Harvey? Yes, I said. Well, some of the upperclassmen told me that you were the only fellow in this school who believes in prayer. I want you to I want you to understand that I'm a born again Christian. I'm majoring in chemistry, which is perhaps a foolish thing for me to do since I know what Dr. Lee does. But God has shown me that he wants me to stand up for him. Now, I want you to pray that God will give me courage when the time comes. And I also want you to pray that the flask won't break. I would appreciate it if every time you pray, you would ask God about this. Even when you say grace at the table. 
I've only a couple of weeks before Dr. Lee will, will be doing this, and I want God to give me the courage to stand up to him. All right, I said, I'll pray with you. Well, I was majoring in chemistry because I intended to go to medical school following my, my college work. I was downstairs in the qualitative analysis laboratory when the lecture hour came. About the time I knew Dr. Lee would, would defy prayer, I went upstairs and stood in the back of the auditorium. My heart was full of fear. I was actually shaking. If you had been near me, you would have thought I had palsy. Finally, he came to the moment. Out in front, he stepped and he said, Now, is there anyone here who still believes in prayer? The young fellow was sitting near the middle of the big auditorium. He stood right up and stepped into the aisle. Dr. Lee, he said, I do. My, this is real interesting, isn't it, Dr. Lee said. We've got a fellow here who, who believes that God can answer prayer. Maybe I'd better explain to you what I'm going to do. He went through the whole procedure, how he would hold up the flask, open his hand and let it drop. It would go into hundreds of pieces, he said, and there wasn't any prayer in the world or in heaven that would stop that flask from breaking. After he finished his speech, he turned to the young man and said, do you still want to pray? The young man said, yes, Dr. Lee, I do. Well, he said, isn't that interesting? Now, we'll all be real reverent while this young man prays. The young man did not even bow his head. He just lifted his eyes toward heaven and said, Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. And you have heard me for your honor in Christ's namesake and for the honor of your servant who puts his trust in you. Don't let this flask break. Amen. Dr. Lee took the flask, held it out, turned his hand, and as it fell, God changed its course. He drew it in. Instead of falling straight down, it hit the toe of Dr. Lee's shoe and rolled over. And it did not break. The class gave Dr. Lee the hee-haw, and all the rest of the time he was there, he never lectured on prayer. God ended that once and for all. Even though it happened many years ago, the story of the flask that wouldn't break is still told on the campus of that school. Shall we bow for prayer? The Lord God of Elijah still lives, able to do the impossible, able to do the incredible, able to do whatever he chooses to do. And my question to you is, do you know this Lord God? Do you know that the greatest thing he has ever done, the most amazing thing he has done, is that he has died for your sins? He has found the way and made the way, not just found it. He has made the way and planned the way for sinful man to enter into his presence in heaven by Jesus Christ paying for our sins. That's the greatest miracle. And if you'd like to trust Christ, you can do that right where you are. You can do that at any time, but we invite you to put your trust in Christ, believe that he died for you, Turn from your sin and trust him. And I trust others who are here. You know Christ. Stop hobbling. Stop tottering. Follow him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. And when you do that, don't be afraid to stand alone and tell others that that's exactly what they've got to do. That's our message. Even when others don't care about it, when others ridicule and laugh, because the Lord God of Elijah still lives. Father... Thank you that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you that we can have absolute trust in you. Thank you for the example of Elijah. Lord, help us to stand alone, even when it hurts, even when, when our flesh is bothered by it. Help us to stand alone by faith in you. Absolute confidence because we've proven that you answer prayer and we've proven that you're the one who is the absolute sovereign God of the universe. So, Lord, help us to even risk our reputation and your reputation because we stand alone with you and we know that one plus yourself is a majority. Encourage us, help us to go from here and to stand with you because we know that the Lord God of Elijah still lives 
and is as mighty today as he's ever been. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We may never know what will be the lasting results of our standing alone for God. Even though it may be difficult to do so, we must stand up for what we know to be right and God-honoring in any situation. This entire series of eight messages on Elijah can be yours if you will contact us. Call us at 727-239-0306 for details on ordering the set. You can also download today's study from our website, versebyverseradio.org, free of charge. While you're there, browse around and check out other messages you would like to listen to. You can also sign up for our free podcast service and the quarterly newsletter. If the Lord leads you to do so, you can send a contribution to help keep this program on the air. That phone number again is 727-239-0306. And our website is versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. Verse by Verse Ministries is headquartered at Lakeside Community Chapel, 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater, Florida. The church's phone number is 727-441-1714. Pastor Steve would love to hear from you. For the entire staff of Verse by Verse, I'm Jerry Pruden thanking you for listening. Faith Talk 570 W. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.